All right, so we had some really nice conversations once again with some pretty interesting horsewomen, one from Canada and North America and another one from the States and New York. But next, we've promised to have this nice discussion with Rose Cushing. Rose, you there? Yes, sir, I'm here. All right, so where are you exactly right now? Everybody wants to know. Well, I live in Middlesex, North Carolina, which is a teeny tiny town about 20 miles east of Raleigh. Okay, okay. So if you had to travel, I mean, you'd just jump on a plane out of Raleigh and you can go right. anywhere. So everybody wants to know, what generation horsewoman are you? Well, I'm the first person in my family to be in love with horses. So it was kind of a, a rude awakening for my folks when I fell in love with them because they were afraid of them for the most part and weren't real excited about me getting into horses. But as time went on, they realized that it was a passion that I wasn't going to outgrow. And uh, I got my first pony when I was about 12, wow. and I've had horses ever since. Wow. Is there a preference of a breed that you like? I mean, we'll get into the obviously different breeds that you're involved with, but what specific breed you know do you prefer? Like, I prefer black Arabians. People don't know that. What's yeah. your preference? I, I prefer quarter horses because I raise them. Black horses are my favorite color. And I do a lot of black-based horse breeding so I can produce buckskins and bays and, and blacks and an occasional gray. So do you actually have like a broodbear, like broodbear band? Like do you actually breed horses? Oh, yeah. I have, a, I have a farm called Half Moon Farms, and we stand three stallions, and we have about six broodmares, and then we breed to the outside a little bit to our friends. And we've been doing that since about 08, I guess. I, you know, I didn't even know that you were a breeder, to be completely, you know, blunt here. I, I didn't even know that you were a breeder. So yeah. did, when you were younger, did you have, like, cats or dogs? Did you actually, were you breeding animals when you were younger before you did this in 08? I love all animals, and I never really raised anything except um, I, I did raise labs and rottweilers for a while, but the horse breeding came about through my mentor, Wayne Newcomb. And he raised with quarter horses, and I was fascinated by the different things that you do. It's a, such a science, you know, and it, and you have to really learn how to do it and what bloodlines cross well and how to, to pick a mare and a stallion to get a good-looking baby in the end and how to breed for color and, and good sense. And that's how I got started. And the babies, when they come, my whole world stops because we have a new baby that day, and it's just the most wonderful thing in the world. But are they all the, are they all quarters? Yeah, I did raise paints for a while, and I love the paints too because the paints you never know what the pattern will be, you know. So that's always like a, a surprise Christmas package. But the quarter horses have been the easiest thing for me to breed, and oh, they sell very well. Got it. So that and, and they they're. Pretty much all around. I, I um, raised Pitzer Ranch horses, and Pitzer Ranch is a very famous ranch for producing good all-around stock. So all of my horses are Pitzer Ranch bloodlines. But you're playing like that crapshoot game. You don't know what you're going to get when the foal comes out. And like you were saying before I interrupted you, you know, it's the, like the best feeling in the world to see the foal. You know, so you want to describe for everybody being a breeder of your size down south what it's like? You know, to have well, a foal. I mean, just the preparation involved. You know, even yeah, before well, you see your first, like, you know. The first, the first time that I bred, I had the first baby coming. Um, they always usually come at night, so I would miss it most of the time because I didn't want to bother the mayor with cameras. The horse is an interesting. 
interesting creature in that it's the only animal in the world that can stop its labor. And if it feels threatened, it'll just stop. So and I, I had about four or five foals, and I decided that I was going to see the next one. And the paint horse that I sent you a photo of was my favorite girl, and I just got a chair and sat out there by her pen, and I said, I'm going to wait, Patches, until you have this baby. So, of course, she didn't. And I finally had to go in the house to go to the restroom, and when I came back out, there was the baby. So that was just so exciting. And, and when they come, their hooves are like feathers, and I didn't know that. So I just started crying, and I called Wayne, and I said, oh, my God, my baby's here, and it's beautiful, but it's deformed. And he just laughed and laughed and laughed and said, no, Rose, by the time you get back outside, it'll be okay. And it was. They hard dried up, and it stood up, and it was great. <laughs> you were hard but it's, and fast. It's, so, it's just a cool feeling to see that new life come in the world and be a blank canvas. Did you ever get into, like, you know, professional riding, competitive riding? Were you in, like, 4-H club? I mean, these are all things that people wonder about with you because, you know, you do so many different breeds, which we're going to get into. Like, what were you involved with, I guess, growing up? Really, just trail riding. But I never saw a horse I didn't love. And the older I got, the more I wanted to do something in the horse industry. And I had a background in journalism, and I worked at newspapers. So I started out by um, doing my own magazine, Southeast Hoofbeats, which was a 10-state regional publication that we printed for many years. Wow. And we covered every breed and every discipline. And a lot of folks didn't think it would be successful because they didn't think saddlebred people would want to read about paint horses. But I told them the one thing we all have in common is that we love a horse. That's right. And it doesn't matter whether what your horse is or what he looks like. You love him. I love mine. And we have something in common. Exactly. So the magazine did really well. But print and as a whole, you know, was on the decline. In the meantime, we got involved with television and the North Carolina Horse Council gave me a development grant to buy equipment, and I started the first weekly TV show in North Carolina that was exclusively about North Carolina horse people. And that's still running. We've, we've been on the air for nine and seasons. what's now. that show called? Carolina Hoofbeats TV. Okay, okay. So on every major streaming network as, as part of the Farm and Ranch TV network. But isn't there something else you had, like Modern something? or? Yeah, we did a, a child's TV show for a couple of years called Modern Horseman. And I wanted to encourage youth and get them involved in the sport. So I, I found a really sweet girl, Emily Grace Swenson, and she was the host. And we interviewed kids and talked about kids wow. and riding and showing and all of those things. And that so was really So everything's cool. kind of involved till today, literally. Uh-huh. What's going on with today? Well, all of that kind of evolved into a documentary film that we won um that was about the hurricane and how it affected the equine industry. We won an International Equestrian Film Festival Award for that. And then I decided to try podcasting. Um, I, I'm a good fan of the lady who is the editor for Garden and Gun Magazine, Rebecca Darwin. And she wrote a book called The 100 Most Influential Business Women in the South. And when I read it, I said, wow, we don't have anything like this for the horse industry. And if you're not a hunter-jumper person, you don't know that Peggy McElveen is amazing and has won the Pioneer Award, and that's an award they don't even give out every year. Or you don't know that Virginia Godwin in the Arabian world won Horsewoman of the Year multiple times. So I wanted people to know about all of these women who had had good success and also about 
about the women who keep the industry rolling, like the 4-H leaders and the, the show moms. So I decided I would travel around and I would interview all kinds of women in the horse industry and put their stories out there so that people could learn about them. Because the horse industry is so vast that you can do anything you want to do. You know, I have a friend that's a lawyer that specializes in equine. I have an accounting buddy that she's a CPA and she does farm stuff. So no matter what you want to do, you can tie your love of horses into it. Very interesting. What? We launched a podcast about two and a half months ago. It's called Today's Horse Woman. Well, that was the next question. So, like, this is how we kind of met. Like, how right. how would you describe... I mean, I'm a pretty avid, you know, social media person. People that know me personally know that I'm more of a face-to-face person like yourself. But, you know, I find things. But how did, I guess, you get involved with or introduced to the horseman's voice? Did you know about me from back in the early 2000s? Did you know about the horsemen's with an E voice based out of New Mexico, that publication? I mean, there's got to be some tie-in somewhere here. Sure. Well, I, when I was researching horse podcasts, and I found the horseman's voice, and I listened to some of your episodes, and that's how I discovered you. But did you know about the woman that runs the horse men's with an E voice out yeah. of New Mexico? Because she's had her publication, I think, since 1977 or 87, I think. Something with a seven, don't quote me. But, you know, we started to communicate, and I... And, interested in interviewing women because they're part of the sport. Like I'm interviewing, you know, other aspects and other demographics like the Latinos and the, and the boys from down south. I mean. Right. Well, you know, women make up 85% of the horse industry. And people don't and, know and I that. I did my research for the podcast. People don't know not, that. Yeah, there, and there's not a, a podcast in the entire world that's only about women. For horse women. I mean, with so. with the harness industry, you've got a, a male trainer, but the woman's doing all the work. Yeah. I mean, literally at home and with the kids and running the stable, doing the accounting. I mean, these are the uh-huh. things that I've seen and I've experienced, and now I'm, I don't want to say it in a negative way, but I'm exposing it and showing people, like, you know, the women are the backbone of this industry. Absolutely. People well, don't want to admit it. Well, know, harness at least. But, you know. 60-year-old women. Okay. And they do the brunt of the work, too. They're the ones yeah. that, are, that are caretaking for the horses. Right. And a lot of times, you know, women have horses when they're young, and then they have their kids, and they kind of taper away from horses for a while. And then when they get a little older, they have money and time, and they go back to horses, and they, they try a lot of things that they hadn't ever had the opportunity to do. So, so this is a big industry. Let's just jump right into the marketing aspect. You know, sure. we, you want to do this, I think it was called Sprout. I started talking yeah. about Spreaker. You know, there's all these other, I guess, interfaces that we've discussed and what have you. I mean... You're doing other things, though. Like, I see you on Apple and, like, you're on other channels. Can you explain to people, you know, from, like, a, from an educational standpoint for the kids that are listening, if they yeah. want to start something, if they want to do something, what would you when recommend? I, start, I started the podcast, and I, I didn't know very much about it, um, how to do it. But I do a TV show, so I, I figured I could learn. And Buzzsprout was a site that was uh, recommended to me by one of my techie friends. And it's a really easy site. You can do it actually for free, if you know, depending on how many hours of time you need to upload a month. 
but Buzzsprout hooks you up with all of the other folks like Amazon and um, Apple and iHeartRadio and all those folks, and then they listen to your podcast, and if they like what they hear, they include you in their lineup. So it gives you a broad coverage pretty easily. You don't have to be too technical savvy. So it's kind of like a hoot suite, suite, you know, like a Twitter where you hook up and you can, you know, launch different things on different channels by hooking up the different things. But the way that you're saying is this is all integrated, I guess, in one interface. What what obstacles, I guess, did you see, if I can ask? Like, did you look at those other ones, like Blog Talk Radio? Because I looked at that. I, it was good back in the day. Their interface now, I'm going to say it, it sucks. And I'm looking now at Spreaker. Spreaker is pretty powerful, but it doesn't, I don't think, have these aspects that you're talking about. See? But that was one of the selling points for the Buzzsprout. I, I looked up the top ten podcast and hosting sites, and then I went on each one and I looked at them. And my husband... Rodney is very, very smart, and he does all of our editing and things, and so he looked at them, too, and we decided that Buzzsprout was a low-cost, little bit of risk way to get in the podcast, and in case this was a big flop, because <laughs> you never know. But um, we've done 10 episodes, and we've had over 600 downloads, and downloads are kind of a tricky thing, because a download doesn't mean how many people are listening, but they have no way to gauge how many people listen. So the the stuff that I read said if you had 100 downloads in your first 30 days, you had a hit. And so we've averaged about 220 each month. So I feel like we're on a good roll. Well, I mean, everything starts out small. You know, it's all about baby steps. You know, with us, yeah. you know, we, we strategize and we make it where people don't know how many people are listening to this. Like, you know, our plan we discussed, and we can discuss this right now, is you know, I'm going to try to get the audio to you right away. We, we do this at the Horseman's Voice. I'm going to try to produce this thing tonight. It's now Thursday, the 25th of March. You're going to have this in your hands tomorrow morning, and let's see what it does over the weekend. And then, boom, Monday, you know, we're going to release it from the harness standpoint. But now the question is, Rose, you know, should I hit my database of 5,000 people? Yeah. Know, do you want me yeah. to just blow it up? Because... You know, the last yeah. couple episodes, I promised Freddie that I would do this, and I didn't do it. I promised the guys from down south. We haven't touched our database. So those that are listening out there, we're ready to rock. The question is, you know, what's your frequency? Are you going every week? Are you going biweekly? Would you recommend monthly? Does it depend on content, structure, I, time? I, I produce it every week. I release it on Tuesday. Um, I shoot for 20 minutes because the average person listens to a podcast on their commute, and most people's average commute was 20 minutes. The the highest rated podcast that I've done was an hour and 10 minutes, but wow. her story was fascinating. Wow. And she had more downloads than anybody I've done. So, you know, and I, I market it through the horse channels. I'm in about 100 horsemen's groups on Facebook, and I, I use Twitter, and um, that's that's probably been one of the best ways to do it is to get involved in groups, and then you can put your stuff out there. I build a website for it, todaysforcewoman.com, and then I put it on all of my media pages for my other businesses, my TV page, my magazine page. I do trade shows and expos, so they all have pages. Well, so you're, you're well. out there. You're established. You're branded. I mean, we, we had a break, and... You know, I'm more behind the scenes. You like to be out there, like we were talking earlier, and face-to-face in front of people and just being, I guess, the face now of today's horsewoman. What are, I guess, real quick, you know, we're going to have to end up here soon, but 
what do you see the future of, of, of you know, where do you see this going? I mean, it's just well, building and building and building. Today's Horsewoman will evolve into a book because these stories really need to be in permanent history. I think that, you know, they're, I, I interview up-and-coming young horsewomen as well as seasoned veterans, and I think it's a good roadmap for anybody in the industry that really wants to be part of the industry. You know, and I ask all of these folks, what's your advice to somebody up-and-coming? How do they make their mark in the world? And so they've all given their, their advice. And, and ironically, most of them's advice is be true to yourself. That's right. But there's so many good um, stories in there, how to juggle being a mom and kids and a job and, you know, in the horse industry and how to make money at it and what did you do wrong and just super good tidbits of help. All the different small aspects of different things that are incorporated in, I guess, running a stable and having horses and just being involved right. whatever way you are. Is right. there any, I, any, anybody yeah. in the industry that you want to give like a special shout out to? I mean, you mentioned this mentor earlier, your husband, you know, who does a lot yeah. of work with you, I guess, with production and editing and what have you. Is there anybody else out there you want to say a special thank hi or shout out to? Thank you for having me on your show. I'm sorry? I, thank you for having me on your show. Well, it's just, you know, we talk about this with other people. It's like everybody has to start coming together. We talked earlier. There's going to be some type of metamorphosis or some type of transformation here, but, you know, who's going to control it? Is it going to be involved with the government? Is it going to just be a movement? Is it, you know, just this whole thing with COVID and everything's going online and things are more viral? Who knows? Right. Who knows? You know, and, and this is going to be released tomorrow, the 25th of March. You know, you're going to have it out there, and you know, the rest of the weekend. We'll see what it does. And then... We'll come out Monday. We'll do, you know, maybe an email blast in the middle of the week, and then we'll have more stuff coming out at the end of the week. We'll see where it goes. I think that'll be great. But I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate your insight, your knowledge, your skill set. I mean, it sounds like if you just, like we're doing, you just take those baby steps and just grow it slowly or organically. Like you're saying, you meet the people face-to-face. -face. That's the industry. That's how we are. But I really appreciate your time, and this will end, I guess, this uh, bi-weekly episode of The Horseman's Voice for now. We'll see what we're going to have coming up soon. It might be a little bit quicker than uh, the last episode. And, uh, again, Rose, we thank you for your time. Thank you, and thanks for listening, folks.